If I were to ask you which sector of British industry was responsible for the highest rate of deaths and injuries per 100,000 workers, what would your answer be? Maybe the construction sector? No, it's the agriculture sector. My name's Mick Ord and I'm here today on this HSE podcast to introduce you to some guest experts on the subject of safety in the agriculture sector. HSE has just launched its WorkRight Agriculture campaign to encourage everyone who works on the farm to take a little time out and think about how they could improve safety. And my word, is it needed. Over the past five years, there have been 161 fatal incidents on our farms and 11,000, yes, 11,000 injuries each year. We want to make 2023 a much safer year on our farms and you can play your part by really engaging with the campaign looking closely at the way in which you work and thinking about how you can make it safer for everyone. Joining me today are two people who will be able to help you to do that. Adrian Hodkinson is the head of HSE's agriculture sector and a principal inspector. He has many years experience and works with all the main agricultural organisations to improve the lives of everyone on farming. Adrian, welcome to the podcast. Good afternoon, Mick. Really good to be speaking with you. And Brian Rees is a farmer in Mid Wales and has been a safety instructor for nearly 40 years. Brian keeps sheep and hens on his farm and is involved in the Wales Farm Safety Partnership. Hi, Brian. Hello. Nice to be here. Adrian, can I start with you? Can we get down to the specifics straight away? HSE has launched the WorkRight Agriculture campaign to try to get those worrying stats down. Do you know what the main causes appear to be? In agriculture, workplace transport and moving vehicles are the biggest cause of fatal accidents in farming, people being killed in farming, and they account for a huge amount of the major injuries that we also see. As you say, you've split the campaign into three main sections. Talk to us, if you will, about the first bit, safe farms. What areas are you targeting here? When we're talking about safe vehicle movements, we're talking about three things, really. It's the safe farm, having a safe environment, having a safe driver, and also a safe vehicle. So in relation to having a safe farm, it's really about the layout of the farm, thinking about how you're segregating people from machinery. Really, really crucial to keep people, pedestrians, away from moving machines. It's a good idea to maybe have a marked route where you've got frequent crossings across a yard put up barriers or posts when you're opening the barn door and walking out into the yard, just to make you stop and think and look around for vehicles, putting up signs, warning people that this is where people are going to be walking, having mirrors on the corners of buildings so you can see round and see what's coming, maybe improving the lighting. Lighting's got a lot better nowadays with LED and all the rest of it, and you can really improve the lighting really effectively on farms, and um, making sure people are visible. At night, when it was getting dusky, make sure you're wearing that high visibility clothing so you can be seen by drivers coming onto the farm or into the farmyard. And that's true in the mornings as well. A lot of farmers started very early, 
and it's quite often very dark in the mornings. It still is now, isn't it? Blimey. Oh, absolutely, Mick. Yeah. When, when I say the evenings, I mean, any time when it's getting dusky and dark or just starting to be light in the mornings, so important to have good lighting um, and make sure people can be seen. Now, you mentioned signage there, and that's one of the things when I've been on farms, sometimes something will just appear around the corner, won't it? You know, so I guess you would say the more signage, the better. Well, you don't want to go overboard, but having signs up just before, before you're approaching a busy area where people might be near the farmhouse or where children might be present, just to slow the driver down and think about what might be just around that corner. Just putting up where it's needed, it really makes a difference. Now, as a principal inspector, you've obviously visited farms of all sizes over the years. Generally, what would you say is the standard like in terms of safe farms? Well, all farms are different. They do a fantastic job bringing in the food this country needs. We see a wide variety of different standards. So we we see the huge farms that are really big commercial enterprises, and you get really good traffic arrangements in those sorts of places. And then you get the smaller farm, might be one man and his wife and small family running a smaller farm. And the standards can be equally as good, but they're much simpler usually. But it's so important to make sure that when people are coming on with deliveries, when vehicles are moving around in a hurry at silaging time or at harvest time, that um, people are kept away from all that moving activity. And you've got lots of walkers and hikers, haven't you? everywhere and it's quite easy and i've done it myself to wander onto a bit of land that's private land not knowing it necessarily and all of a sudden you're on a private farm yeah and we're coming up to easter holidays so it's a really good point mick coming up to easter holidays there'll be a lot more people out enjoying the the great british countryside there will be more people around um some parts of the country are much busier than others if you're in the peak district or in South Wales, uh, in the Brecon Beacons or wherever it might be, there's going to be lots and lots of people around at that time of year. So looking after members of the public and keeping them away from moving vehicles, really, really good point. Now, Brian Rees, as I mentioned before, in addition to running your own farm and being a safety inspector for 40 years or so, you're also involved in the Wales Farm Safety Partnership. Have you got a real life example from one of the farms that you visited where there's been an accident as a result of poor safety procedure? I could keep you going for two hours on these. Yeah, it's amazing. You may go into a farm to do some training. And you, if it's a lift track course, you're usually there a couple of days. And some take it very seriously. And some almost consider it, you know, uh, proud of it. I know one friend of mine, a family who I know very well, son rolled a quad on an open hill. And it rolled for about 150 meters and smashed up down by the side of the main road really sort of uh, gets to me a little bit. A lot of accidents on farms. And there's a variety of reasons, really. Farmers are rushing around. When a farmer needs something that needs doing, they only have one thing on their mind, and that's to get that job done. And they don't necessarily think of what's happening around them. A very good friend of mine, two years to now, he was calving. And one morning, he went into his shed. The cow had calved, and there she was in the pen. They were lambing as well, so they were busy doing other things. He went back by this cow in about an hour's time. The calf was looking a little bit hollow, and he thought it hadn't sucked. So he gets his wife, and they get a jug of water. And, you know, when a calf hasn't sucked, they have to, you have to put a tube down his throat into his stomach to get him going. So he went into the cow, and she was fine. He actually milked about 
couple of litres of colostrum off the cow and he just turned his back on the cow and he caught hold of the calf and he was just opening his mouth and the calf makes a little uh, sort of sound and this cow just went berserk. Now his wife was facing the cow. She could see what happened. So she tried to throw the jug of milk that she was holding at the cow and she managed to escape. But Rob got really, she really mangled him. Now then, he's still alive, and I keep telling him regularly, he's very lucky to be alive. Son appeared from somewhere fairly quickly, and he's a fairly big lad, and he literally manhandled this cow off him. It was amazing. Now, Rob used to be six foot two. He's now six foot and half an inch because it smashed one complete vertebrae out of his back, and they pinned him all back together. He's okay. But uh, you speak to him on a cold morning, and he can hardly move, you know. And that's just an example where it could have been cured so simply, you know. We actually filmed Rob on the farm. And although his system was in place, really, he had really quite good cabin pens. The secret is you never get between the cab and the cow, whatever you're doing. You've got to always be behind the barrier. Little things like that. But all that was on Rob's mind at that time was getting milk into that cow's belly. Everything else goes out the window. And I think that happens with a lot of farm accidents. Another one not far from here up in North Wales where a chap pulled a tractor on a steep slope. Top quality farmer, you know, involved in the Royal Wales show and amazing bloke. But I know, I can just imagine, all he would have in, in mind was putting fertilizer down on a steep slope. He wouldn't have thought it necessary, perhaps, to put his twin wheels on the tractor. He may not have thought to check the tire pressures. He may not have thought to put his seatbelt on. And if he'd done any of those three things, he'd probably still be alive. And that's the problem we have, just making people stop for a few minutes and just think about what they're doing. And, of course, if somebody has been working in the industry for many years, and this is true of any industry, really, isn't it, uh, Adrian? It sounds arrogant. It's not meant to me, but you think you know it all, don't you? You get a bit complacent, don't you? You've been doing the same thing day in, day out. You've always done it that way. It's always worked out for you. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's the right way of doing things. And what we're finding is, certainly with vehicles and drivers, if you're not doing things routinely correctly, you're going to get caught out. Something's going to go wrong. 60% of all the runover accidents on farms where you get runover, 60% of those could have been stopped by either the handbrake being on or the handbrake working. So many times the handbrake just doesn't get maintained and doesn't actually work. One example I can think of is that a guy was unhitching a, an implement off the back of the tractor. The handbrake didn't work. It wasn't maintained. As he was trying to undo the various bits and pieces at the back on the, on the linkages, the tractor just slowly started moving towards him. He, he didn't know. He had no idea this was happening. He, most careful person going, thinking, oh, yeah, I'm okay. Just squashed between the machine and the implement. And it's just a slow, creeping, silent way of dying. Mm. It's horrible. Really, really awful way. Yeah. And that could be prevented so easily by maintaining the handbrake and putting the handbrake on. I'm sure Brian's got similar stories like yeah, that. Yeah, he knows. It's so simple. So simple. Back to your point of saying that farmers think they know it all. And we are a little bit. We are jack of all trades, aren't we? 
some people would say you're jack of all trades and master of none, but I wouldn't go quite that far. But we do tend to think, and you have people may have been driving tractors for 30 years, no problem. Then they go out and buy a really nice posh telehandler. Oh, this is a nice toy. Oh, similar to a tractor. Oh, but they don't realize it's an entirely different piece of equipment. A few years ago, uh, Health and Safety did some visits through Midwells, and naturally they were going on to farms. And these are the sort of people I'm thinking about, people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, probably never done a day's training in their life. They'd been brought up on the farm and kept their skills going. They got improvement notices then for training. And I went along to this one farm. There was this chap and his two neighbors had come in for two days to do the course. And the first thing I do, especially with people like that, the first person on the machine at the start of a course is always me. I always demonstrate what I want to see. Give me a bit of cred because farmers are so used to people coming onto their farms, telling them how to do their job when they've never done it themselves. So the first thing I do is give a little 10-minute demonstration. And this one chap, and he's had a telehandler for 20 years. And I got off after my demo and he said, how did you see to get those forks in the pallet? And I said, well, you line the pallets up and then you line them up and drive in. He said, I've never been able to do that. I've always got to ask the lorry driver to guide me in. And anyway, in the conversation, it came out that he didn't know that the telehandler had a self-leveling device on the forks. Basic stuff like that. Well, that's the first thing I do. Within half an hour, I had him driving into pallets on the lorry, and it made his two days, you know. We think we can do everything, but little simple things like that that could cause an accident. There was about 12 people altogether I did over about eight days, and four of them actually rang the training provider up a few days after and said, I like this training job. What else can we do? And one group of them did a quad then the following week, quad training. They weren't asked to do that, but they'd never experienced training, you know. And when we compare us with other industries, say construction, they are training for everything, really, you could dream of. And what is it? Adrian will know the figures better than me, but they kill something like 1.5 or 1.3 per 100,000, and we kill something like 8 or 9 per 100,000. So that's where the figure comes. You're seven times more likely to be killed on a farm than you are on a building site. Scary stuff, Brian. Safe driver. That's the second bit yes. of the HSE campaign. And that's yeah. your particular area, isn't it? That's your it is. speciality. And, um, You've mentioned handbrakes. What other yeah. stuff are high on Well, your yeah, the big thing is training is a biggie. And they say, well, you would say that because that's what you do. But I am so convinced that training and the safe stop whenever you stop the machine as adrian said the machine has got to be maintained properly but this handbrake on out of gear key off and out if you look at people whenever you pull up in your car you do safe stop religiously every time because the large majority of people were trained to drive a car when they were 17 and it's always stayed with them But for some strange reason, when those very same people get out of their car and sit on a tractor or combine, whatever it might be, or telehandler, that safe stop goes out of the window. And I don't know why. And training is is a really big one for that, to make them safe. If the machine isn't moving, it's not going to crash anybody and put in everything in neutral. No one's ever been injured in a PTO shaft when the tractor engine is stopped. It's never happened. So if, if you're doing anything to the machine, that engine has got to be stopped before you go anywhere near a machine. 
Adrian, this campaign, we're particularly aiming at younger farmers and farm workers, aren't we, from the age of 18 to, say, 44. Why are you particularly concerned about people that age or people that might be new to farming? Well, we're concerned about everybody who's uh, working on farms and we, we really want to work with all the different stakeholders to make sure that we're helping people live long and healthy lives. This campaign has really been quite orientated towards social media and towards some of the um, electronic means of communication. So we've been sending out a, a lot of messages and a lot of information and films and things like that, which we know younger farmers will pick up on perhaps more than the older farmers. Older farmers are still really, really important. In fact, a huge amount of older farmers suffer awful injuries and are killed. But if we get people younger, as Brian says, if we're educating people and training people earlier, the messages tend to stick a little bit more. It's a bit like um, young children and, and grandparents. If you can get the younger people talking to the, the grandfather or the grandmother about, why are you doing it like that? I've not seen it being done like that for years. It gets granddad, gets granny thinking about it and maybe changing their ways if the younger person is saying it. But the campaign's for everyone. We're concentrating on safe farm, safe driver, safe vehicle. It's just that we're, we're using social media and electronic means of communication. And we just know that the um, younger people are more likely to see that. Simple as that. Ryan, from your experience, would you be able to sort of explain any differentiation between the various age groups? Because as Adrian has said, we are targeting younger and newer additions to the farming industry, as well as older. It's everybody. And you you mentioned before how in some of the farms that you visit, the culture of safety isn't quite ingrained. No, it's the culture that we want to try and instill into the, the movement a bit. You know, I've got Two sons. One has basically worked most of his life in construction. And my other younger son is basically farming. Both went to college. But my elder son in construction, he wouldn't ever dream of jumping out of a machine forwards. He always uses handles. And I think that's one thing where agriculture lack a little bit and where, say, construction are safer. They do get supervised more and there's someone keeping an eye on them. For instance, now in construction, you notice now the green light on the top of all their machines. And um, I passed a, a site the other day and I could only see about half the green lights on. So it meant half those people didn't have their seatbelt on because that's what the green light tells you. Well, a farmer wouldn't dream of thinking about anything like that. And very often the telehandler they buy wouldn't be up to construction specs or it probably didn't have a green light. So it's, it's that type of thing, what we want to instill in people, this training element. I was in a, America about three years ago, touring around California. We were looking at farms and different things. And we went to Sacramento and we had an hour with the, the local environmental minister. I mentioned safety to her and she said, oh, it's not a problem, yeah. And when I told her our figures, she couldn't believe it. Anyway, during the week then, we went to a few farms and the standard was really good. Anyway, I asked one of the farmers one day, what training do you do? He said, oh, they've all got their tickets in their machine, he said. But every month, everybody on the farm has a one-day health and safety course. One week, it may be machinery. The next month, it may be cattle handling. The next month, it may be medicine, so on, so on. And he said they have a touchscreen test at the end of each course, and they've got to pass that before they can go back to work. And I said, God, that's amazing. 
He said, well, we wouldn't be able to insure the farm if we didn't do that in this state. It happens in this country with factories, because back in the 90s, I was in factories more than I was on farms. And they were doing it then, because they could do their training, and they could get half my fee back off the insurance company on the employee liability insurance. But I'm afraid that the agricultural insurances in this country don't want to know. I've been campaigning that one now for quite a while. So I think they could something come in from that way to instill that culture into the industry if we could. Is that something that you would be able to comment on, Adrian? Well, training's so, so important. I mean, the major insurers in farming, like NFU Mutual and AXA and some of the other ones, are always looking to uh, improve the risk management on farms. And training is part of that risk management. Brian mentioned safe stop. It's really, really important part of this campaign, making sure that people are stopping things properly, got the handbrake on, take the key out, stopping everything before you go around the back to try and adjust something or before you're tempted to stick your hand into something to try and pull something out. So many people have lost arms or had really awful injuries that have stopped them farming because they just haven't turned things off. And that's Mm. part of the training. It's part of making sure that um, when you're operating machinery, that you stay inside the cab because that cab protects you should the tractor or whatever machine it is roll over into the ditch. That cab stops you falling out and getting squashed by the tractor or by the machine. And it's so important to have that seatbelt on that Brian's mentioned. And uh, Brian's right in construction there, the flashing green light on the top that shows the seatbelts being worn. I'd love to see that sort of thing in agriculture that shows that you're wearing the seatbelt and that you're going to stay inside that safety cab. Because that's what it is. It's a safety cab. So that's all part of safe driver. And I think safe vehicles, part of that machines regularly maintained that you've got the safety features working properly that you've got the um, mirrors clean and not broken, that you can see where you're going, and that you're wearing that seatbelt and uh, it's keeping you in that safety cab. Brian, I can see you nodding your head vigorously, Joe. Yeah, Adrian was saying. Just there. one thing on leading on to the vehicle thing now, as you might appreciate, it's about 10 years now since um, there was an addition come in to telehandlers. They've always had a warning light to tell you when they were becoming unstable. But about 10 years ago, 2012, I think it came in that they locked the hydraulics when the track is potentially becoming unstable. It locks the hydraulics off. So the only thing you can do is retract the boom. Now, when this first came in, there was quite a lot of dissatisfaction, if you could say, from the industry, because we were doing the shad events then. And we used to get a bit of flack back off farmers. And the answer we had for them, if you don't overload your machine, you're never going to have a problem. And that seems to have satisfied them now. And people have accepted that now, that if they want to do a three-ton job, they've got to buy a three-ton machine. They don't buy a two-and-a-half-ton machine and try and make that do it. So making people buy things that are fit for purpose is crucial. But when you talk about safety devices, we had that one 10, 12 years ago. And I think I'm right in thinking that some of the telehandler accidents over the last now three or four years have reduced slightly. And I'm just wondering, those machines are all coming through the system now, aren't they? Now, about five years ago, it came in that if you get off the seat in a tractor now, the PTO automatically stops unless you keep it going for some reason. So it'll be really interesting to see now in the next two or three years whether the entanglement accidents start to reduce a bit 
because those tractors are now coming through the system. They've had that in horticulture for years when you got up off the seat. They even stopped the machines. This only stops the PTO, but that is the one that kills people naturally. Now, Adrian, in terms of ensuring safer vehicles, I guess now that spring's here, it's as good a time as any to ensure that all the farm vehicles are fully maintained and working, particularly after the fairly long and cold winter we've just had. Yeah, I mean, uh, farm vehicles have a have a tough life. They need to be regularly maintained. They need to be properly checked and they need to be working in decent condition. The obvious things I look for, I, I make sure that um, farmers have got the windows clean on the cabs, that the mirrors are, in, are clean and uh, aren't broken they're, and they're actually fitted. Sometimes they're just not even there. <laughs> so how can you hope of, of keeping anybody safe around you if you can't see anything around the machine whatsoever and um, it's so important to make sure things like the brakes are working properly we get a lot of incidents with quad bikes quad bikes rolling over and uh, training is really important to make sure that you know how to stop a quad bike from rolling over and obviously wearing a helmet reduces the risk of you getting a brain injury should the quad bike roll over what i'm mentioning quads about is it's important to maintain them as well because they get used for everything they don't get looked after particularly well. The brakes don't get checked. The tyre pressures don't get checked. And they rely on quite low tyre pressures. And if you've got the wrong tyre pressure in one wheel, it really makes the machine unstable. And we've seen so many times where one of these has gone over and squashed somebody and, the, and that person can't get out from underneath it. And they die because they haven't been trained. They're not wearing a helmet and they've not maintained their quad bike. and so so sad that we're still seeing that one example i can think of he was a work experience trainee and he, he suffered head injuries awful head injuries after coming off his quad he wasn't wearing any head protection and he hadn't been given any training we prosecuted the farming business and they got a pretty hefty fine i often hear that there isn't a law about helmets on quads in agriculture that's nonsense Everybody using a, a farm quad bike should be wearing head protection of some sort, whether it's a proper quad helmet or whether it's even a riding helmet, motorcycle helmet. Just make sure you're wearing a helmet whenever you're driving one of these things. So, so important. I guess you'd echo all that, Brian, yeah? I mean, it's, Yeah, uh... I would agree with that entirely. <laughs> we used to use one on the, on the Shad events years ago. There was one year when 12 people got killed on a quad and the HSE did a bit more research into it and they got all the coroner's reports back from the 12 fatal accidents and it worked out that if those 12 people had been wearing helmets 10 of them would still be alive we keep telling people it's the law to wear a helmet and I think everybody knows that who uses a quad they all know they should be wearing a helmet but for some reason they can't be bothered so I, I tell that tale quite often about 10 out of the 12 would have still been alive and you can tell people, start to think a little bit then, just a little bit, you know. Well, I mean, let's face it, that's the whole point of a yeah. our campaign, is it? And I read a powerful line on the Work Right Agriculture website that, for me, kind of encapsulates what the campaign is all about. Let me read it to you. Take a moment to think about what would happen to you and your family if mm. you were seriously injured yeah. and unable to work. And that kind of says it all, doesn't it? It does. It really does. Because people think it's never going to happen to us. And I've heard that so many times. Brian, you're so right. It's not just yourself that's going to get hurt. If you, for whatever reason, can't work, how's the family going to cope? Your whole world is thrown upside down. 
It means you're going to have to get help from friends, from colleagues. You're going to have to work out different ways of farming. and It might really affect your livelihood. It might actually stop you from farming. And that's so, so sad. And um, these incidents are so, so preventable. And usually by something really simple. So concentrate on safe farm, safe driver, safe vehicle, things where you can really make a difference and stop those really awful incidents from happening that are either going to affect you, going to have a massive impact on the family, going to have a massive impact on the local community as well. Bottom line is it could stop you farming. It's going to cost you that much. Many thanks to Adrian Hodgkinson, the head of HSE's agriculture sector, for joining us today and to farmer and safety instructor Brian Rees. Thanks to you too for listening to this podcast. I hope it's encouraged you to think some more about safety on your farm and maybe act to make sure that it's a safe place to work for you, your family and your workers. There are some really useful tips and checks on the website and some short and practical videos on farm safety. Just Google Work Right Agriculture and it'll take you to the campaign page or log on to workright.campaign.gov.uk. And both links, of course, will be included in our episode notes. So until next time, this is Mick Ord signing off on this HSE podcast. Have a safe and prosperous year.